Church family, friends, and visitors, it is such a privilege to be up here this morning. Pastor Jeff is ministering in Pennsylvania in an area that is really in need, and I am sure those people are just so blessed to have him there. About the women's event yesterday, my wife Lori, uh, first let me introduce myself, I'm sorry. My name is Mark Fulbrenner. My wife Lori and I have been attending here about five or six years. We're a part of the greeting team. My beautiful wife was the one that opened the door for you this morning. And we're life care leaders. And we are so honored and so blessed to be a part of this church family. But Lori was a part of the planning team for the women's event yesterday. So I was shared with a lot of the uh, information ahead of time on how the planning went and the work that went into it. But the information I got yesterday afternoon when I got home on how blessed those women were made all the work and all the difficulties they went through worth it. So with that being said, gentlemen, we have an opportunity in November to attend our own event. And it's Iron Sharpens Iron. And if you've never been to an Iron Sharpens Iron event, it's based on the fact that you sharpen the iron sword with another iron sword. We sharpen each other. We make each other stronger. And they have some great speakers. They have some great fellowship and some great music. So if you have the opportunity to attend, sign up now. It's $20. And it's, it's just going to be such a blessed event for everyone. Before I start, I want to open in prayer. Father God, we thank you for being here in your house with us this morning. We thank you that we can be in your house. We ask that you open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to your word today. And we ask that we all leave here a changed person, a stronger person, a better person, a more devoted follower. Father, we know that not everyone in this room will take away everything that's said, but we hope that everyone in this room takes away something that will help benefit them, but to benefit and them in their lives. Here, will share what they take away from here today with everyone around them. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that song, Nothing is Impossible, really touched my heart. This past few weeks, Lori and I have been helping my mom clean out stuff because she's going to be moving to an assisted living. And while it's been very difficult to um, sort through mom's 83 years of possessions, some of the stuff we found was really touching and and we found a lot of photos. And I found photos of me as a young boy going to First Communion and confirmation classes in the Catholic Church. And so if you don't believe that nothing is impossible with God, that shy little Catholic boy kneeling at the altar at St. Mary's Church is now up in front of an awesome church audience delivering a message. Everything is impossible. So I have a question. How many people have had an easy time the last year and a half with this uh, pandemic? Anyone here that's not been affected by it? Anyone that hasn't dealt with the hardships, the heartbreaks, and the losses of the pandemic? Um, the pandemic has created many battles for all of us, many struggles for all of us. But that is only a small part of the way the enemy attacks at us. There's financial problems in people's lives. There's relationship problems. There is all kinds of things, sick loved ones, anger issues, addictions. Um, just that driver in front of you or behind you that's driving you crazy. That just the enemy throws at you to try to life in 
crazy world is constantly a battle, and we need to be prepared for that battle. We need to be equipped for that battle. I spent 33 years as a firefighter for the city of Rome, and as a part of being a firefighter, we have to protect ourselves and wear what we call our turnout gear. Our turnout gear is called turnout gear because it's what we wear when we turn out to go to an emergency. So that equipment that we're wearing consists of a coat, a pair of pants, gloves, and a hood that are made of a material called Nomex, which is heat resistant, it's fire resistant. It won't burn. Inside our coat, our pants, and our gloves is a liner to deflect heat away from our body. If you go into a residential home, a normal house, and there's a fire in a room, the temperatures can reach 1,000 degrees. So our protective equipment is designed to protect us from that heat. The boots we wear are waterproof because how do we put out fires? We use a ton of water. And they have steel shank in the holes and in the toes to protect us if we drop something on our feet or step on something sharp. The helmet on our head has a very hard shell. It's tested to some of the highest protective standards because of stuff that might fall on our heads or, in my case, doorways that are a little too low. In 33 years, I can't tell you how many times my helmet took a beating on the doorway. On our backs, we wore a big cylinder of air. The air was just normal room air, filtered room air, that we would use to breathe because in the fire, there's a lot of toxic chemicals, toxic smoke, and very dangerous stuff that you would breathe in. So all told, when we put the suit on, we had about 60 pounds, 50 to 60 pounds of extra weight, and then we had our tools or our hose. So we had to be able to put that equipment on relatively quickly. I used to love the new guys. We gave them timing tests every day for about a month. Put all your stuff on, get all ready to go. Now you can take it off and go do your housework. All right, but you had to put it on quickly, but you had to put it on efficiently and safely. You had to have it on so you knew that you were fully protected. Every morning, we would check out all of our equipment to make sure it was all in working order, there was nothing wrong with it, um, turn our air packs on, make sure the tank was full. Everybody in life makes mistakes. You don't want to be the casualty from the mistake someone made yesterday. You know, they might have used your air pack and the air level was low, or you might not have done something with your equipment when you used it last. And so you want to make sure you're prepared and you have everything ready. We use that to turn out for emergency purposes. Never went into battle without the proper equipment, the proper protection. And we shouldn't live our lives any different. In Ephesians 6, 18, from the New Living Translation, it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. We can resist the enemy by wearing that armor of God. Then after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in prayers for all believers everywhere. So the armor of God is what we need to put on. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is David and Goliath. From 1 Samuel 7, 17, it talks about Goliath, the great Philistine. 
It says, Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. If you've read the story, you know that he came out by himself. Walked down the hill, got out into the Israelite soldiers. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, a bronze coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. And if you don't know what mail is, it's a woven chain, mesh of chain that you put on that the swords would have a hard time penetrating or the spears wouldn't penetrate. So he had on this whole upper coat of, of mail. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of the spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam. If you don't know what a weaver's beam is, it's a, it's a you sometimes wooden rod, but a very thick, heavy wooden rod that was on a weaving machine. About two and a half or three inches in diameter. So if you watch the Olympics and you watch the javelin they throw, it's about three quarters of an inch to an inch in diameter. This is three times that. It was tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, and his armor barrier walked ahead of him carrying his shield. Now, I can only imagine he had an ar a shield barrier bear bearer because the rest of it was way too heavy. But he's over nine feet tall. I'm six foot six. He's got me by three feet. Big, big. All of that equipment he had on made him well protected against enemy forces. And he had a great attitude about it. And that's part of what our, um, our God's armor needs to be, is have confidence in it. Be confident in yourself because you're confident that God is with you. And so Goliath had such great confidence that he was willing to risk all of his countrymen. He would come down into the valley and he would shout out to them, come and fight me, send any soldier you want to fight me. If you can defeat me, we will be your slaves. But if I defeat you, all of Israel be, will be the Philistine slaves. So while he's out there along the youngest son of Jesse, a fairly small boy, the average height back then for a young teenage boy was about 5'10", five, 5'9". Five, and he's coming to deliver stuff to his brothers because he stayed home while his brothers went with the Israeli army to fight. So he's staying home with his dad to tend to the sheep. And I always thought the sheep herders kind of had it made. You lead the sheep along. Are we working now? All set? So... David's father, I, I'm sorry, I always thought the sheep herders kind of had it made. They spent the day out in the field watching sheep. They slept in a, on a rock in the corner while the sheep grazed in the field. But when you tell, listen to David's story, he had to fight off the, the animals that were attacking the sheep, if there was bears or wolves or lions. So they really had a tough job. But David was sent by his father to bring food to his brothers up on the front lines of the, the battle with the Philistines. For 40 days, Goliath came out every day and tormented them. For 40 days, the Israeli soldiers, the Israelite soldiers were kind of cowering back. They knew that they couldn't go out and defeat this giant. And even in mass, they would have a difficult time. So David comes along and he says to the Israelites, he says, don't worry about that giant, I'll go fight him. And Saul, 
The leader says, well, you can't fight him. Look at you. You're a young boy. You, you, you won't win. And David says, from 1 Samuel 17, 37, David says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. So we know that God is with David. And David knows he's with him. But this is the same thing in our life. God can rescue us from the claws of the lion, the claws of the bears, the grips of COVID-19, the, the problems with depression or financial issues. God can help us through all that if we put on his armor. So David knew what he was capable of because if God was on his side. And finally Saul agreed because David was very insistent to let him go. He was going to let him battle him. But Saul said, here, wear my armor. And as the leader of the army, I'm sure Saul had some fine, fine armor. But when David put it on, it's like my grandson putting on all my firefighting gear. He probably couldn't stand up straight if he could stand up at all. He couldn't lift his arms because of the, the mail. So he took it all off and he said, I don't need your armor because I have the armor of God. I have God with me. God's going to protect me. And so David picked up five stones, took his sling, went out and faced the giant. Why would you think that David thought that was a good idea? To face the biggest soldier on the opposing team and go after him. But David knew that the armor of God was going to save him. At Ephesians 6 again, therefore put on God's armor, every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in a time of evil. It doesn't matter what evil it is. If you're prepared for it, you can fight it, you can defeat it. And then the battle, after the battle, you'll be still standing firm. David stood strong. He stood straight up. He threw that stone and knocked the Philistine right off his feet. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, to put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fury arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion and stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So it's not just us we're protecting with God's armor. We're protecting everybody around us. So let's look at that body of armor. The belt of truth. 6.14 says, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. We know that the truth sets us free and keeps us free. We hear it all the time. We know that no one comes to the Father except through the truth from John 4.6. We know that the enemy is the liar. Right? That Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's the truth in life that we need to, to focus on. With the enemy being a liar that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy is the king of lies. So if we wrap our, our core, our midsection, with the belt of truth, and our midsection or our core is from our hips to our ribs, that center core of our life, the center core of our life is protected from the evils of the enemy, from the lies. 
through all cultures, through all the years, through all the generations. God has seen the paths that people have taken. Some people have taken the right path, some the wrong path. Our encouraging word today about running the race and running his path is the most important thing you can take in your heart. Running God's path. Well, the enemy is an expert at attacking us every step of the way on that path. He's an expert. He knows what's going on in your mind the same as God does. And he knows how to tweak your mind and how to tweak your actions to get you to cooperate more with him than you do with God. In order to effectively apply the belt of truth, we must pursue the truth in all aspects of our life. I believe one of the biggest threats to my inner core, to my true being, is the false truths that we face every day. If you watch the news, you go on social media, listen to the gossip, um, buy into the rumors, there's false truths everywhere. You can take the same news story on five different networks and get five different stories. We hope that one of them has the truth, but they're all selling their news. And to me, that just, that just eats away at me because I want to know what to believe and what to do. And the devil is just so, he is so cunning in the way he just gets people to do his work for him. I'll tell you a little story. Recently, I heard some disturbing news about the apartment complex where my mother is living. And I was pretty sure it was a rumor going around. And I just wanted to make management aware because the, one of the, the managers of the complex had been very helpful with us and our, my mom. And so I was going to send her a text message. And I do okay with text messaging. Not real tech savvy with it, but I sometimes get things right. So I typed in a message and I said, I don't know if you've heard the rumors going around, but, and I explained to her what I heard. Well, spell check, the bane of my texting, changed rumors to tumors. <laughs> so when I got my response back, I just read it and she says, how correct you are about tumors going around. And they're so unhealthy. And I'm thinking, what is she talking about? So I read my message. But false truths are like tumors. If you have a tumor in your body, it tends to keep growing. I worked for um, almost 40 years in the x-ray field as a part-time job. And with x-ray, we work with radiation. And I did a lot of teaching on radiation protection. And the reason that radiation therapy is used on cancers is because the radiation kills the most rapidly growing, rapidly changing cells the easiest. That's why we, the big signs on the wall say, if you're pregnant, please tell us. We don't want you in the room. We don't want you having x-rays because the fetus, the baby, is the most rapidly changing human cells in the body. The second most rapid is cancer tumors. So when they're doing radiation treatments to, say, a lung cancer, they're damaging all the tissue all the way through where the radiation goes, but they're killing the cancer cells because they're the most susceptible. Tumors and rumors do the same thing. That false truth or that rumor spreads like a cancer. The problem with it is it works just like a cancer in that it doesn't want to stay in the lung. It wants to spread out through the body. That rumor doesn't want to stay in one focus group or one form. It wants to multiply. We all played the game as a kid where I whisper in your ear something and somebody whispers in the next ear and by the end the story is totally different. That's everyday life for us in this world. 
The story that you heard on the news that you told someone else is going to tell someone else, and eventually it's a totally different story. So we need that belt of truth. We need to protect our inner core from the evils of the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means being made right. It's the righteousness that Jesus gives us. We are made right with God through Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. He's our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the Amplified Version says, He made Christ who knew no sin, judicially, be sin on our behalf. So he made Jesus be the sin on our behalf or take the sin on our behalf and take it away. So that in him we become righteous, we become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in the right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. So it's by righteousness, the righteousness that Jesus grants us through his crucifixion, that we are made right with God. It amazes me that though Christ never sinned, he's willing to take all of our sins. For thousands of years, every Christian that called on him as their savior, he bundled that up and took it away from them. The breastplate of armor is to protect our heart. Law enforcement and military personnel wear bulletproof vests or bulletproof garments. And it's designed to protect them from projectiles or bullets that are fired at them. In some cases, we, we had the great honor of, um, my family and I went up to Griffiths International Airport when the 10th Mountain Division was up there this summer. And they had an open house and they shared with us their equipment, their helicopters, the tools and stuff that they used. But one of the young men had an older form of their protective vest and the newer form. And in the newer form of protective vest, there's a steel plate that's about two inches thick that covers the whole center of the chest. And that was to protect him against the higher-powered or higher-velocity bullets. So they wear this armor to protect their heart, their lungs, their chest, their lifeline. And that's what the breastplate of armor from God is. Now I can tell you, when they get shot, if it hits that bulletproof vest, it's still going to hurt a lot. It's going to hurt a real lot, but it's going to save their lives. So when the enemy is throwing stuff at you and you have that breastplate of armor on, it might hurt, it might penetrate some, but you don't want to let it penetrate deep. You want to keep that breastplate intact. How do we utilize that breastplate of righteousness? We need to take and apply the Lord's instructions for us. We need to follow the Lord's plan. We need to do what God is telling us to do. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. I know there's been times in my life when he's given me something to do and I'm like, I don't know. You might think that's a good idea, God, but I'm not too sure. But we need to follow that. And if there's an area in our life that's entangled in sin, we need to find a foundational scripture to throw back at the enemy. When I first put this together and I'm thinking about, okay, the bulletproof vest, the breast of armor, he's throwing stuff at us, it might penetrate, and I'm going to throw words back at him. But it's the word of God. It's not just words. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but I can throw some powerful words out there if it's the word of God. If you need to, ask a trusted person to pray for you. 
We all struggle with the things the enemy's throwing at us. And it's much better to have help so that we're not struggling alone. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are ev- three are even better, and a triple-corded braid is not easily broken. Together we're made stronger. Together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are more powerful, we're more firm, we have a better stance. When I think of the breastplate of armor, I think of something that's designed to protect my chest and abdomen. That leaves my back exposed. Standing back to back with each other protects everybody. It protects us front and back. So connect with brothers and sisters. Be a part of the the group that is going to protect each other. The shoes are the gospel of peace. Peace is an attribute of God's, not his character. Peace is what he gives to us. Peace, according to the Webster Dictionary, is the state of tranquility or quiet. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as the state of being calm or quiet. But the Greek word for peace is irene, which means one, peace, quietness, and rest. It originates from the root word of ireo, which means to join together or tie tie together to be whole. Therefore, irene means unity. It's bringing multiple parts together to form one unit. It means a family joining together, whether it's a biological family or a church family. Joining together and reconciling their differences. It means building and mending and strengthening relationships with God. A big part of it is having a unity in the church and staying united together. It's the oneness with God that produces the peace in our life. It's being with God and sharing God. In Ephesians chapter 6, it repeatedly tells us to stand firm in our faith. And I'm not sure I put these up there, but if I didn't. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all evil. So you stand firm against all evil with God's armor. 6.13 says, then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. In 6.14 it says, stand your ground. For many years I taught CPR and choking to a lot of people, a lot of people. It was one of my passions. It's something my dad started me with when I was a young teenager. And my first exposure to Resurrection Life Church was on, in the old church on Lamphere Road teaching CPR classes. And as a part of the choking, if you have a conscious victim that's choking, you're going to reach around from behind them, put your fist up against their belly, and give big abdominal thrusts to try to force out whatever's in there. And as a part of my teaching, I always told my students, keep your feet separated a little bit. Put one foot between their feet and be prepared because they're not breathing. They're choking. There's no air going to their brain, no oxygen going to their brain. So if they become unresponsive, you don't want them to flop over and get hurt. Or worse yet, flop over and take you with them and both of you get hurt. So you need to stand firm. You need a good base underneath you. And that's what this is all about. It's a firm stance with God. If you stand with your feet together, even in a little windstorm, you're going to give one of these rocking motions. You need to keep your feet open. You need to keep your mind open, your heart open, and stand firm in God. 
It's a firm stance that keeps the enemy from knocking you off kilter. If you don't have a firm stance, he can knock you right down. I can remember early on, Pastor Jeff called me out in, in a church service, and he said, come up here, and he's talking about the same exact thing, and he says, try to push me over. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm six foot six. I'm a little bigger than him. I don't really want to knock him down in front of his whole church. <laughs> but he showed me a firm stance would keep him there. But that weak stance is where the enemy's going to come in. When we get anxious, when we're uneasy, when we're worried, that's when our feet come together. That's when our heart starts to soften. That's when the enemy is going to tag. The gospel, the stories of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his death, that's where we can build our stance. That's where we can grow in strength. A firm stance in peace can be made even stronger if we let God remind us every day what is Done, what he's done on our behalf. Every day you should be in the scriptures, at least for some point. The word for the day is awesome. It gives you just enough scripture every day to pump you up, get you going. But you need to set your security and your strength in God. By surrounding yourself in those scriptures, you're ensuring that the truth and the strength is yours. The shield of faith. No, we can't all have shield bearers. It would be nice. If we had someone walking ahead of us, bopping that devil out of the way every time he came near us. But we don't have that. The Roman soldiers carried shields that were made of very heavy leather, but it was soaked deeply with water. And it was soaked deeply with water so that when the flaming arrows of the enemy were shot at them, they put their shield up and the shield would ex extinguish the arrows. The arrows couldn't penetrate the wet leather, but it would also extinguish the arrows. Our Christian faith shields need to be soaked in the gospel all the time. You can't go out with a dry shield. That burning arrow will penetrate right through it. We need it to extinguish the flames of the enemy coming at us. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that's where we get our strength and our shield. In Mark chapter 9, a man comes to Jesus and says, Heal my son. My son is sick. He's dying. Please heal my son and have mercy on us and help us. And Jesus says, or the man says, heal my son if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? What, I mean, what are you saying if I can? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible if you believe. I'm here because it was my belief that I could do this. That God was telling me that I could stand up here. And I could, I could share a message with you. But Jesus said, anything is possible. And the man says, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. And that's what we need to do as Christians. We all have moments of unbelief or periods of unbelief. When I went in the military, I skipped church for about six months. I only skipped it in advanced training because in basic training, it got you out of doing a lot of work. But once I got to advanced training, had a little bit of freedom I skipped church. One day I was pretty down and I went to church and I realized that I needed to be back there. I needed to be back with God. And, and so we all have those moments in our lives. Don't let your circumstances control your faith. Let faith control your circumstances. Your circumstances can take over so easily in your life, but your faith should be able to overcome them. 
Finding those helping verses in the, in the Bible is so easy today. I can remember when I first put together a message at another church a long time ago, it was five different Bibles on my table, and I had to look at each version to see which one I wanted to use. Now I have my tablet on the table, and I click a button, and it changes versions so I can read them all. Sometimes it's even better to go to different versions because what you don't fully understand in one version may be fully explained in another. It might make it so much easier for you to read that different version. Find ways to stay in the Word. Connecting with fellow Christians is the best way to search for help. Fellow Christians are going to help lead you and guide you. And now I'm going to be putting my commercial message for life care. Our Wednesday night service, our life care service, if you don't know what it's about, it's about brothers and sisters getting together and sharing our faith, sharing our love, and sharing our knowledge of God. And you don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to be really versed in the Bible. You don't even need to be slightly strong in the Bible. We start out our life care with some praise and worship. We share some praise reports with each other. And then we get into what the message said on Sunday. And so my favorite thing about it is opening up our life care group and saying, what spoke to you on Sunday? Because you get perspectives of different people in the room on what they heard and how they heard it and how they interpreted it. And it just opens your eyes so wide. So if you're not connected with a life care group, the information's on the screen out in the foyer. We meet here on Wednesday nights. There's also, I think, a, it's either Tuesday or Thursday group. But connect with a life care group. That helps you stand firm. That's your back-to-back -back protection. It's brothers and sisters that will share the gospel, share the, the Bible with you, share what God has for you that you don't even know. And it's only $19.95 a month for six months. No, just <laughs> it runs for 10-week cycles. You run 10 weeks and then we're off. And I'm telling you, we connected with Life Care when we first came here, and it is such a blessing. So if you're not connected, try it. I haven't seen too many people come and try it that didn't come back. So, Onward, the helmet of salvation. Did you know that salvation comes to us the moment we place our trust in Jesus' death? It's that simple. When you start to trust that Jesus died for you, he packaged up all you did wrong, put it in a box, and took it with him. And he died for you. His salvation is yours. His resurrection is payment for our sins. The helmet salvation is like the breastplate of righteousness in that it rests on the works of God, on the works of Jesus Christ. It's not something we have to do. It's his work to save us, but it does involve us taking the journey with God. It's allowing him to work that salvation through us. It's not a free bus pass. The battlefields in our mind is the primary place that the spiritual battles are fought. It's in our mind. And God is helping us to free that and give us new perspectives on what the enemy is doing against us. It's the enemy's strongholds that bind us, and it's the salvation, the helmet of salvation that will free us. John 10:10 10, 10 says. The thief does not come except to steal 
to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you have, may have it more abundantly. So it's your choice. It's a choice that we make in life. And I know choices aren't always easy, but it's a choice that we can make to make our life better. We choose Jesus instead of the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy us. And we can have life more abundantly. As a kid, I thought that meant I was going to get everything I wanted, like no punishment for bad grades and not get in trouble for the bad things I did. But I found out as an adult, as I learned more, that it's everything I need. God has given me everything I need. We are so blessed in this, this country that we live in that we have the freedoms, that we have food, we have housing, we have water. We have everything we need comes from God. But you must surrender and line up with the scriptures. In Colossians 3.2, New Living Translation, it says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about what heaven and what God has for you and not what you're getting from society today. Society is full of the enemy's soldiers. We need to be protecting ourselves. We need to be fighting those soldiers. We need to remember God's character and God's faithfulness in our lives. Not the character or faithfulness of our life experiences. We've all had bad experiences. Those experiences may have helped us to grow. They may have helped us change. And it might have been God's way of leading you through life. But you can't live on those bad experiences. You have to go forward. You have to believe that God has good for you. You have to believe, know what God is doing in your life. I like to focus on the good, and I like to forget the bad. I like to think my mind, and, and it's my uh, like coin statement is, when things aren't really good or the way I want them, I say, well, it doesn't really matter. Is it going to affect my life? Is it going to change the way I live? Or is it going to change the way I believe? If it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's being done for me by God. And the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword or the Word of God can be used to fend off the enemy. It can fend off the enemy when they're attacking in any of the facets of your life. The Word is how we defend our hearts, our minds, and our souls to keep us straight with God. But the sword or the word is not just a defensive weapon. It's also an offensive weapon. In battle, if you've ever watched any of the movies of the Roman soldiers or the pirates or the, the sword fighters, they not only use that sword to defend themselves by holding out to block the enemy's sword, but also to go on the attack with it, to inflict blows to the enemy. And that's what the sword of the spirit is for. Now, you might not be just protecting yourself, but you might be protecting a brother or sister that's in trouble. When the enemy is attacking, you put the sword up to block what the enemy is throwing at you, but then you attack back with the sword. You attack back with the words of God. Sometimes just a simple prayer or a simple word to a person that's in trouble or in distress can change their attitude, change their mind, or change their life. Jesus modeled this sword defensively and offensively by the way he was fought the enemy when he was tempted in the desert. When he was tempted, he pulled that sword out. He pulled the word of God out. And with every temptation, he threw the word of God right at him. 
Man does not live by bread alone. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He just kept fighting back the enemy with it. And after all of his responses to the enemy, in Luke 4.13 it says, I'm sorry, can you go to Luke 4.13? That's okay. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So when the devil was done with Jesus, he wasn't finished. He was just regrouping. Like the, Israeli, the Israelite army, when they were first fighting the Philistines before Goliath came out, they would fight and then they'd back up and regroup. And they would fight and back up and regroup. The devil was just backing up to regroup. He was waiting for the next opportunity. In the Amplified Version, it says he was waiting to a more opportune time. Be prepared for the battle every day because it's going to be there. As a firefighter, I only needed to don my turnout gear when I was going to an emergency. The rest of the time, it was hung by the trucks. It was ready to go. It was all set for there. But in our lives, we need to put on this armor of God. The belt, the breastplate, the helmet, the shoes, the sword. Every day. It's going to be the first thing you put on in the morning and keep it on the entire day. It's there to protect you from whatever the enemy's going to throw at you. David went against a giant that was nine feet tall. He was likely four feet or five feet shorter than him. Probably several hundred pounds lighter than him. And the warrior had on every form of protective armor he could get. But David knew, through God, where to place that stone. He placed the stone in the right place and he defeated the enemy. And that's how we need to live our lives. The enemy is not undefeated. He's not undefeatable. He's been defeated by Jesus. We just need to know that and stick with it and keep going in our lives. We can defeat the enemy. You know how David made out. He defeated the enemy, became the king. He's in the, the line of Jesus. What giants are you facing today? What battles are you facing today? What battles are you going to face when you leave here today and go out into that crazy world through them double doors? Put on your armor and grab your sword. Look around front, back, left, and right and see that God has you. He has you protected. He is with you. Leave here well prepared and fully equipped to win the battles of life. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. Everyone that's here today came this morning for a reason. Some of you know exactly why you're here and others may not be so sure. If you're questioning why you're here today or what God has for you, you are, or you're here for the first time, I pray for you. I pray that you have found something here that will keep you in God's presence. I ask everyone that is here to pray with me. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for bringing me here. I thank you for showing yourself to me. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, was crucified on the cross, and died to take away my sins. 
I thank you for the salvation that is granted to me through Jesus. I thank you for the place that you have made for me in heaven. For your unconditional love, for your unconditional forgiveness, and your unconditional grace. I want to journey through my life following on Jesus' path that leads to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, and I, I see so many familiar faces, but if you prayed that for the first time, please let us know. Tell one of the ushers on your way out or go on our website and send us a little note. It is so awesome when a new Christian joins us in this battle and we will be a part of helping them with their armor, building up their faith and getting them along. And again, if you're not connected with a life care, try it. It's like an ice cream sundae on Wednesday night. Let me bless you before we go. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the message that you gave me to share. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters here that have shared with me and that I love and that you love so deeply. Father, bless us all as we leave here that we take your word and we share it to everyone we come in contact with, whether it's in words, actions, or just the way we treat them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and God bless.